Hey everyone, this is producer Arminik Bali. I'm one of the co-hosts of Build to Play. We've had a few segments this year that got cut for the sake of time. Most of that stuff is terrible, but we've had a few pieces of interviews and discussions that we still like. For instance, on episode 51, we mentioned that we talked about the anniversary of the Nintendo DS. We got that whole thing on tape, and it's not half bad. We're still hard at work on the remaining episodes of Built to Play this year, and trust me, they're going to be incredible. But until then, here's a few pieces of Built to Play 51, our objective is to win the war, that didn't make the cut. If you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend you check that out first, but hey, I'm not your dad. Who do you want? So to introduce our first tidbit is our co-host, Daniel Rosen. So first up, we have the Nintendo DS, which was released November 21st, 2004, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the DS is the best gaming console ever made. Fight me. <laughs> that's, that's, that, those, are, those are fighting words? Those, those are fighting are, words? These, these are, uh, I mean, if you want to, okay, if you do want to fight out Daniel Rosen, we'll start the line um, <laughs> right at Dundas, uh, Young Dundas Square. Mm-hmm. Um, you start behind the homeless snowman. And, and I'm wearing boxing gloves. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you can beat him in three rounds and... Uh, is there a punch-out game for DS? Uh, there's, it's probably on Virtual Console, but I don't think it has multiplayer. Okay. There's uh, no, I don't think there even is a punch-out game with multiplayer. No, punch-out for the Wii has multiplayer. Yeah. If you can beat me in Wii Sports Boxing. With your DS. With your DS. <laughs> just hold it and pretend. Imagine. Yeah. So, uh, I disagree. Okay. I mean, but I think the place, the original PlayStation is probably the best. That's also a fair choice. It's a wrong choice, but it's a fair choice. <laughs> the original PlayStation is probably the, the greatest console ever made, but the... Um, that that had such that's probably the best 3D platformers um, ever put together. The uh, some of the best RPGs, some of the weirdest RPGs. Definitely some of the weirdest. I don't know about some of the best. It's got some some clunkers. It, it's it, also got some pretty awful. Like I don't know what 3D platform. Like beyond Jumping Flash, I don't know what, what the best 3D platformer on the voice. Crash Bandicoot. Is. Crash Bandicoot is not a 3D platformer. It is a it is a platformer that has 3D objects in it. It's also not very fun. You sir, I am first in line. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so... Uh, but the thing with the... So, do you... I mean, you owned a DS, right? I think yeah, everybody... Yeah, yeah. Every human being on Earth owned a DS at some point. I mean, again, like, this is a fact I bring out often, but it got to the point in Japan where almost everyone in Japan owned a 3DS, so... A uh, DS, a standard DS. Sorry, a DS. So, the... Uh, but Nintendo's Nintendo's our strategy was two per family. Everyone take one, which is crazy to think of. But yeah, um, when did you get your DS? I got my DS not too long after it came out. Actually, mm-hmm. I think I got it about a year, a uh, year and a half in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got it when it was. I got it. I think the. How long was it that the light version came out? The, more, the better light form? version was about a year and a half later. Yeah, yeah. So that was when I. That was when I picked mine up. That was, okay. and that I the first games on it I had were. Um, I picked up immediately. Picked up some RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately got Final into, Fantasy three. Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy three. I actually well, I got my Final Fantasy three because I was in a trip to China and there was a copy of Final Fantasy three that was literally a dollar. Um, picked <laughs> it up. wrong with that. Yeah, p- picked it up and um, the manual. I knew something was wrong when the manual turned out to be the GameSpot review for Final Fantasy three. <laughs> um, but it, the game worked fine. Um, but yeah, it was like, you know, Pokemon machine. It was um, a real great device. Some of my, so I spent a lot of hours my, with my uh, DS, especially on Phoenix Wright, especially mm-hmm. on Professor Layton. Those games rocked. Yeah, the I got my DS like a couple months, because it came out, I got it the March after it came out. Right. 
Uh, so I was I had a DS Fat for about two years until I mi- opened it one day in the car and mysteriously the entire top screen was cracked open. Oh, nice! Uh, and was like the the you know LCD fluid was was the liquid crystal was flu- like just leaking everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's gross! It was pretty nasty. Um, but I got I got so it came with Metroid Prime Hunters, right? The demo, which was the worst, and some I bought that full game for some reason. <laughs> Bad game. Yeah, that the that is such a hard game to control. That is like that, hey, guess what? You know what you know what makes it worse? If you're left handed. <laughs> <laughs> that game is actually really similar to um to God, what what is uh Sakurai. Kid Icarus Uprising? Kid, yeah, yeah. It, it would be if it, it, like, imagine if Kid Icarus Uprising was harder to control. Yeah, no, no. And no. in first person, you know, with a really crummy first person view and terrible graphics. Yeah, no. The, but but the, the game I got with it, I got Mario 64 DS because everybody had that, I think, to a certain extent. And I got Lost Magic. Do you know what Lost Magic is? I have no clue. Lost Magic was Ubisoft, back when Ubisoft was still making JRPG knockoffs before right. they came back to it, um, it was their strategy RPG where you controlled like a bunch of monster units. It was like a tactical it was like a, yeah, it was like an RTS and you had magic you were a wizard and you cast magical spells by drawing on the bottom screen because we all know how well that worked. Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, that game is awful. Okay. The game is absolute trash and for some reason it didn't dissuade me from continuing to buy DS games. Uh, I would argue the DS is the best system ever because it does have one of the most varied libraries ever, one of the weirdest libraries ever and so, when some of them just really like it's got like you mentioned Ace Attorney uh, Professor Layton uh, it has Hotel Dusk, which is also a spectacular novel. Oh my god, novel. Y- you do not know the lengths. I I was like, r- right after school, in a, in a Best Buy, buying Hotel Dusk, because mm-hmm. that game looked badass. That yeah. game looked amazing. The, mm-hmm. There's, um, I mean, Sonic Rush is one of the best Sonic games ever made. Um, there's Spirit, Phantom Aragos is not a very good Zelda game, but Spirit Track's a really cool, interesting one. Um, there's Mutant Marble is one, which is not great, but fascinating. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like it's uh, the DS is a spectacular system. Yeah, no. The, the thing I think the, the thing about the 3DS is the 3DS. The, the DS. thing about the DS is that it ultimately is this console that allowed anyone to do anything on it and brought back a lot of like really interesting 2D games that had that had kind of waned after the PS2 when sure. it's like everyone got so fascinated with 3D. All of a sudden, you had like. Sonic Rush, which was this the best Sonic game in ages. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue the first good Sonic game in ever. Yeah, but no, that's it, just me. Again, I'm picking for a fight. It's it's real good in, in every um, way you cut it. Henry Hatsworth is a pretty late title, but it's yep. an absolutely fascinating game. That I mean, it probably could exist on PC or something, but it is a super super weird game and basically an indie game that got a full like retail release from EA. Oh yeah. Um, there's uh, Yoshi's Touch and Go, which is like it's not good. Yoshi's Touch and Go is crap. Yeah, Yoshi's Touch and Go is an awful, is a bad game. But the thing with Yoshi's Touch and Go that's fascinating is that if Yoshi's Touch and Go were released now, it'd be a three dollar game on the eShop. Yeah, Yoshi, okay. Like that was the beginning of Nintendo trying these little small experiments. They released Electroplankton, which right. they eventually broke up into a bunch of three dollar experiences. But that's totally what it was. Um, Rhythm Heaven, Rhythm, he- Rhythm Heaven Fever, or, or rather Rhythm Heaven Gold is a is an amazing game that again really wouldn't have gotten a release anywhere but the DS. Um, yeah, yeah. It brought casual gaming into the markets, which, you know, Apple took with vengeance, <laughs> but it they did it, you know? They invented it to a certain extent. I mean, one of the ways I, 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 mean, one of the ways I justified getting a, a, a DS to my dad was like, hey, look, there's brain training. That's, that's how my brother got his. Yeah. That's how a lot of my friends got theirs. Like, brain training and, you know, Nintendogs is safe. And, yeah. that, like, Nintendogs is also a huge deal. Um, I, I had, like, 
I had friends who had never played with a game console, like only mm-hmm. like at friends' house, um, who picked up a 3ds, a 3ds, picked up a DS just for Nintendo Dogs. Like yeah. it was. Um, that the, the the and I mean it's hard to overstate how important a touch screen is because I yeah. remember before everybody was talking how gimmicky and weird it was I thought it was gimmicky and weird yeah and then it's like this a was used for some really great stuff but b it it laid the groundwork for modern phone games for you know for modern yeah. I, iOS and Android titles like that's it you know that is that is the DS's legacy right there is the games we are all playing that make millions upon millions of dollars uh, it also is personally responsible for me for introducing me to my favorite series Etrian Odyssey uh, which took over my life and consumed me and uh, I self-identify as a Landsknecht. <laughs> uh, the other thing I put down here that is weird, and I don't know if you remember these, mm. is, are the Nintendo DS's commercials for the first year after launch. Oh? Um, the DS's commercials were really weird. I did it not was, know. I, no, I was, never saw those. They were ju- So they came on, maybe it's because I watched a lot of like, what was Teletoons like Adult Swim? I never had Teletoons, okay. but it was Detour. Detour. I watched a lot of that, and a lot of the DS ads at that time were like, it was just a blue screen that went black as it like zoomed out and it was just the two blue screens with a white border right. and then just whispered touching is good I remember yeah I remember the campaign touching is good I do not remember being perversely whispered to that touching is good it was weird especially after Nintendo's um, like what's in your pocket thing with yeah. the Game Boy Advance ads or like do you know what that was that was around the same time as the Virgin uh, phone ads mm-hmm. which were all about um, touching someone's junk yeah um, it's there was, the mid two thousands were a strange time for advertising. Uh, the only bad thing about DS, and the only reason I will accept saying it's not the greatest console ever, is that it's single handedly responsible for rhythm, the original Rhythm Heaven and Mother Three not coming out in the states because they were too late on the because the, they came the, out the right at the same year as the DS, and therefore they weren't going to be or, or a year after or something, and therefore they weren't going to get released. That is the DS's fault, and that's the only reason I can accept it not being the best console. But, listen, nothing's perfect, alas. The the thing I'd argue, though, about the, the DS, though, one, is that I do think that the there, Nintendo has made, in terms of just pure machinery, I feel like they've made stronger... Um, they, they've made stronger, like, consoles. Like, I really liked the later uh, Game Boy Advance SPs. I think the Game are... Boy Advance... The, the, the Game Boy Advance SP was before the DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Game Boy Advance Micro is probably the be- like, best piece of hardware Nintendo's ever made. Yeah. Uh, I think the DS Lite is really nice. Oh, I no, no, no. Like, that Lite. was... When I saw, when it stopped being that clamshell was the, when I picked well, it up. No, it's always the clamshell. When it stopped being yeah. the... The DeLorean's the yeah. co- the side door of a DeLorean. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. But yeah, it's well, I don't know. It reminded me of like the DS Fat with a P. Yeah, God, that was such a terrible thing. But there is okay. So there is one other thing that came out around the same time, and it two, is two two days later, November twenty fourth, two thousand four, was World of Warcraft, which is super weird because it feels so much older. No, it feels like EverQuest old, which yeah. is even older than that. Old somehow. EverQuest is like ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. So. The looking at the dates, Final Fantasy XI came out two years before WoW, um, which was substantially mediocre, and um, EverQuest Two was also around two thousand four. The Final Fantasy XI became better. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I think when it when it was basically redone in two thousand four to be more like WoW. Yeah. Well, what happened was there was a whole litany of um, of uh, console MMOs that I mean, once the once the consoles got those online adapters, mm-hmm. um, they were all like, oh man, the next stage here is all these MMOs on console, which still isn't real. Nope. Nope. I had that GameCube, ad- GameCube Ethernet adapter for a bit. Did you ever use it? Fantasy Star Online. <laughs> <laughs> for like a month, it was spectacular, <laughs> and then uh, we moved the GameCube, and I wasn't in range of an Ethernet thing, and then we sold the whole kit and caboodle. Yep. 
Well, Fantasy Art Online. Fantasy Star Online, great game. Uh, wow, also a great game. Star Wars Galaxies was around, was a few years, was around for a few years, I think a year and a half, year or two. Uh, Star Wars Galaxy, though, was thoroughly awful. Well, Star Wars Galaxy is, I don't know, I love, I don't, I, I would never play Star Wars Galaxy because the game was terrible, but... Uh, the stories you hear about people who played that game are some of the best MMO stories imaginable. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like, okay, so I wanted to be a Jedi, so I made this character, and then I wandered through the desert for like six months of game time. Then after that, I found this man in hiding in the forest, and once I talked to the man in the forest, he told me of a quest, and I went on the quest, and I found these jewels, and I used that jewels to form a lightsaber. And then once I got a lightsaber, I got training from this man who was hiding underneath a building in the main world. And like... <laughs> I. Becoming a Jedi was such this crazy, stupid process that everyone tried to do. Oh, man. Um, but so it's it's super hard to verbalize how much of a game changer WoW was. Yeah, no, um, you stopped having those crazy things like right, yeah, like, like those, that. Because for some reason in my head, I just like I re- read it as oh, the first MMO, and it's totally not. No, no, there's like again, EverQuest or MUDs before that. I know, just like as as a guy who really likes game history, I know it's not the first MMO, but for some reason, my head reads it as that. I I always feel like Final Fantasy XI and uh, came out afterwards just because that game feels so. I mean, just because WoW feels so influential. Mm-hmm. I mean, and every game that came out afterwards was so influenced by WoW. Every I mean, MMO wanted to be a WoW killer. Yeah, I mean, it was... Some like some just went for niches, like City of Heroes, which mm-hmm. was heavily inspired by WoW, but like had its own... Like, this and I really liked game. City of Heroes. Oh, that game was great. I, I, I ended up picking that game up alongside City of Villains for yeah. a while. I, I really... I, I kind of missed that game to a certain extent. I miss, again, just the weird junk people did in that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's the... Uh, so it's amazing that it's lasted ten years, and it hasn't. It's lost a significant portion of its base over sure. time, but it still it's, has millions of people. It's still the biggest MMO going, yeah. And I'm amazed that it hasn't changed at all. It has the expansions, but like graphically, they've only started updating it now because it I, looked like junk. What was the, what's the name of the most recent? Uh, Warlords of Draenor. Warlords or Draenor. Of, I don't know how they want me to pronounce it. In any case, they've that's they've finally updated a whole bunch of the, the character the graf- models, character yeah. models, and they've whole heart. They've replaced. I mean, they tried doing that in Catalyst, but apparently that didn't Cataclysm, work. yeah, they replaced Cataclysm. all the environments, but not yep. the character models, which I still don't like it because I've never liked WoW's aesthetic, like the weird purple squariness of it all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never really loved that aesthetic, and I never really got into WoW. I tried because it was the game for a couple yeah. years there. I, I tried and I couldn't get into it, but it's... Listen, WoW is essentially responsible for basically the decade of MMOs, and now the, you know, now we're at the end of that. We are now watching the, uh, the, the you know, the heat death of MMOs. Yeah, what what ended up happening was WoW was the last major game, really, to make a killing on the subscription. It was like, also the first major game to make a yeah. killing. It's funny how that works. Yeah, so it... MMOs turned out to be a zero-sum game. Yeah, we had City of Heroes and Villains, which didn't do anything. That company went under. We had Star Trek Online went under. Star Wars Galaxies went under right afterwards. EverQuest basically doesn't exist. I mean, it's coming back now. The Matrix Online? How could we forget? Oh, of course. Um, (laughs) Sony Online Entertainment, quality products. Yeah, they had a couple Uh, weird ones. And was there a Siphon Filter Online? Something like that. The the whole thing with um, MMOs, it turned out, was if you basically... If you're going to do a subscription service, you're only playing one MMO, mm-hmm. right? Which means that you're either playing WoW or one of the WoW competitors. And, and if that, you want to play with friends, you're playing WoW. Yeah, yeah. So as a result, it was a lot of like, hey, I'm going to... You can't pick both. Like, you can't both play WoW and play um, 
Sea of Heroes because that's going to cost you 60 bucks every month. Right. Like, I played City of Heroes for a pretty long time, and when I got it, like, I paid one month of WoW, but like, that immediately meant I would stop playing Sea of Heroes because uh, that's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I can't... I was okay... I was not the biggest fan of MMOs, but when I played them, you know, like... It, you couldn't just couldn't do two at once. Yeah, I I've never liked MMOs. I liked City of Heroes because it was weird and wacky. Let me do crazy, you know, junk. Yeah, but I yeah, I never got in. I, I just never. I I always said I hated MMOs. And I've kind of come around to like I think they can do some interesting things. But listen, it's <laughs> WoW's fault. WoW <laughs> told me what MMOs were, and it turns out I liked some of them. Yeah, um, I mean, like they they've started to make some interesting steps. I actually uh, I played through the beta of the Secret World, mm-hmm. and that is probably the first game that is. It's still like wasn't that game announced like four years ago? Yeah, and then it kind of disappeared. It's it's a super interesting game. Is it very Diablo like? It's it is, but what what makes that game really fascinating is that its quests Mm -hmm. are really diverse, and they're not. While they do have the aspects of go to this place, kill these guys, get Mm -hmm. these items, it often often a lot of them were like, hey, uh, kill this guy. Here's a riddle. Solve the riddle, and the riddle would be like something that required you to look up something in Greek mythology and then you'd find that thing and then that would correspond to a place on the map and you'd go to that place on the map and it would give you like another sampling of information and it often meant that you had to go to like a server or you had to go to a forum or something Mm -hmm. and look up information or at least do some like research on your own and that made it feel feel unique. I don't know if that made that, I don't feel that it's all that inviting to new Mm -hmm. players but it was like a really unique approach to uh quest lines giving you more kind of agency over what you do mm -hmm. i'm still waiting for the pokemon mmo that's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen but i've been wanting it for six years now i just don't think i I don't know i don't i don't see the the joy in a pokemon mmo what i want in a poke what i want is a pokemon like i want a a place where it's part of a pokemon game you can Mm -hmm. go there but I, I don't see the appeal in, like, just seeing a ton of other players on the battlefield. Because Pokemon on its own makes very little sense. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having thousands of trainers running around... I mean, cause look, the moment that it, it just turns into animal exploitation, the video game. <laughs> I feel like my problem with the Pokemon MMO and why I actually wouldn't like it is... is cause I actually started kind of... I mean, I, I wrote a giant bunch of... You know, things about Pokemon uh, two years ago now, or a year and a half ago. And the thing I like about Pokemon the most is its charm and detail in the small little places, which you would completely lose in MMO. You just can't do that. Um, Maybe a Monster Hunter style Pokemon, but that's about, I think, the the best. Listen, they need to do more Pokemon spinoffs because that's when the series at is most interesting, but they haven't done those in a while. Um, But WoW, speaking of commercials, because I brought those up, uh, the WoW commercials, if you remember them, were really weird too. Oh, okay. The celebrity, uh, scare quotes around celebrities ones with uh, Mr. T, Vern Troyer, and William Shatner. Uh, Those were also upsetting, but for very different reasons. Was that the ones where someone would zoom into the camera and say... I'm a warlock. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm Mr. T, and I'm a. I'm a. I think he was. What was it? it was a. He was a troll. He was a, no, he wasn't. He was a Taurus sh- A Tauran shaman. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think Werner Vern Troyer was a was a like an ogre barbarian or a warrior, and uh, William Shatner was like a night elf warlock. William Shatner was a crazy person. Well, came, like he just came up on the screen and said, "I." I when I first saw that ad, I was wholly convinced he thought he was a night elf. Yeah. I did too. <laughs> Like oh well I guess he's really Adam Westing. I can this see time. with that with those flowing blonde locks. Exactly. Or is that a blood elf? That's it for news. This last piece is from our segment on game cloning and belong. Conrad Lee and Bob Tarantino were telling us a bit about the history of how games copy each other. Bob pointed out that most of the court cases are based in the U.S., which I found fascinating. 
If you're interested in hearing why Canada rarely has any copyright cases, games or otherwise, stay tuned. Bob tells us more. One thing you mentioned that is, that is curious, Canada has not had, as you said, not had a lot of computer-related court cases. Is it because a lot of the industries are focused, a lot of the industries are focused in the United States, but but we do seem to have a, a growing somewhat startup scene here? Is it just none of the cases have seemed to come around here? No, I think that's that's probably explains most of it. You know... Canadian courts, though, like just to give you an example from another one of the entertainment industries, we've never had a music sampling case in Canada. So, you know, there's a variety of socioeconomic reasons for why there isn't as much litigation in Canada. But I think it's indisputable that they're just across the board in any sort of field of endeavor. There just is not as much litigation in Canada as there is in the United States. And then the fact that really the center of gravity for most of the entertainment industries, including video games, is the U.S., explains most of why you're going to see a lot of those cases originate in the U.S. And, it, you know, it's worth bearing in mind that even, you know, the the large Canadian studios, you know, other than Ubisoft, they're not sort of indigenous Canadian studios, right? They're, they're just branches of U.S. operations or foreign operations. It's actually interesting that the most recent Supreme Court of Canada copyright court cases um, have mainly been around SOCAN, actually, which is the music um, kind of tariff, and they decide the royalties that are paid out to artists. And they definitely have a lot of money, so they can kind of pursue these type of actions. Yeah, we don't, we don't get a lot of exciting copyright cases in Canada. Uh, the Americans have all the fun. Well, what kind of copyright cases do we end up with in Canada? Uh, well, like like Conrad was mentioning, we tend to have a lot of cases which revolve around uh, tariffs which have been issued by the copyright board. So, uh, you know, where radio stations, for example, have to obtain a, a license from the copyright board um, or, and make payments in accordance with that to various collectives like SOCAN and, and the CMRRA, which is Canadian uh, mechanical reproduction or musical reproduction rights agency. So our our copyright cases tend to revolve around copyright board um, disputes or copyright board related disputes. Th- that being said, we have had there was a very recent case at the Supreme Court which involved uh, a television series being infringed. There was there was a, a, a creator whose name was Claude Robinson who, whose show basically just got ripped off and, and stolen from him by uh, an unscrupulous uh, set of producers and, and he won uh, and won sort of millions of dollars in damages at the Supreme Court. But uh, yeah, our, our, our stuff tends to kind of be boring in the sense that it, it tends to revolve around large institutional bodies kind of disputing copyright board decisions as opposed to people suing each other for infringing things. Is that good or bad for copyright lawyers in Canada? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, copyright lawyers get paid regardless, so it's it's good in one sense. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it's kind of boring, um, and it's kind. It, it can be sort of frustrating because a lot of the times when we're called upon to opine on on things like video games or or you know sampling for example we don't have a lot to draw on from the courts from canadian decisions so we sort of have to analogize from u.s decisions so it's frustrating in the sense that you know i'm kind of a copyright nerd and so i'd like to be able to to look at 
you know, Canadian law on this stuff. But, you know, copyright law sort of develops more slowly in Canada than it does in the U.S. Um, just because of the volume of cases down there and the volume of decisions. So, yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess on, on balance, I, I might be able to say, yeah, it's bad that copyright law develops the way it does in Canada. I mean, on the other hand, you know, that's good for some people because it means not a lot of people are getting sued. So... You also don't get cool cases like Two Live Crew and SNL. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right, I'd like to thank you both so much for your time. Thanks for having us. That's it for this addendum. I've been Armin Agbali. Daniel Rosen is our writer and feature editor. Stay tuned to Built to Play and keep your eyes peeled on the website. I think you'll like what you find.